If you would, open your Bibles to two places this morning. 2 Samuel, the 17th chapter, Matthew chapter 2. 2 Samuel chapter 17 and Matthew chapter 2. I have a card I'd like to read very quickly. Every kindness has a part in bringing joy to someone's heart. Words could never express the gratitude and love we have for all of you. My mom loved her church. You put purpose back into her life. I know that mom is rejoicing in heaven with her loved ones, and that gives us peace. We will always terribly miss her. There is coming a day when we will have a grand reunion. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts, and that is from the Donna French family. Uh, Thank you again for all that you did. Uh, Today I want to talk to you about God has a plan, and you have a purpose to fulfill. You could title this, A House Divided, Part 5. But I get a lot of flack, if you didn't know, for preaching verse by verse, especially during the holidays, uh, because I don't stop and do Christmas sermons. But as I have been here now doing this for the better part of a decade, um, uh, it always seems to work that when we get to Christmas, the Lord takes wherever we're at, ties it in with the Christmas story. And as we come to 2 Samuel chapter 17, we see two men who are very wise. Uh, They would have been counselors to the king. And one of them we see in chapter 17 are serving the king for the wrong reasons. One of them is serving the king for the right reasons. In the New Testament, in the Christmas story, we see a group of wise men who are coming to serve and worship the king and another group of wise men who are fearful and worshiping the wrong king. And so today I want to talk to you about this simple idea that God has a plan and you have a purpose to fulfill. Because in the life of David, we see that God protects David no matter what. And that even though it's down and out for David right now, David has been run out of the palace, his son has betrayed him, One son has had another one murdered. One sister has been uh, viciously assaulted by a brother. David's family's in shambles. The kingdom's in shambles. He is literally running for his life. But even in the midst of it all, God still had a plan and a purpose for his life. And today I have no idea what you came with. Maybe today you're here saying, I know the Lord wants me to step out in faith but I just don't know if I can. Maybe today you're here and you're saying, Jake, our family, our marriage, our situation is so broken and messed up. Maybe today you're here and you're saying, Jake, I have been giving in to the sins that I have desires for and I have made a mess of things, but no matter how low it is or how broken you seem to think you are or how hurt you are, God has a purpose and plan for your life. And today I want to start at the end of our text to show you this simple thing. In 2 Samuel chapter 17, starting in verse 14, if you would stand with a, for a reading and the reverence of God's Word. Starting in verse 14, the Bible says these words, So Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The advice of Hushai the archite is better than the advice of Ahithophel. 
And if you don't remember, the Bible says that Ahithophel's advice was like hearing from God Himself. For the Lord had purposed to defeat the good advice of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring disaster on Absalom. Pray with me. Father, we thank You that even in the midst of our pain, our heartbreak, our confusion, that Lord, You have a purpose and a plan. And Lord, while we know You are in control, God, that we have a choice to be a part of the problem or the solution. Lord, to be used to spread Your Word or to be a hindrance to Your Word. And so, Father, today I pray that You would speak, that You would move, that You would work. Lord, nothing can good can come today, Lord, unless You do it. And so I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I just want you to look at that with me for just a moment, that God had a purpose to bring Absalom to ruin, and in order to do that, had to defeat the advice of Ahithophel. And so if you remember when David found out that this rebellion was happening and Ahithophel was against him, he prayed, Lord, you're going to have to do something. And what we see is that God has heard that prayer. God has a plan to protect David, protect the kingdom, and we see what it happens to unfold. And so if you go to verse 1 with me, we looked at this just a little bit, and if you're taking notes, we see people motivated for the wrong reasons. We see people motivated for the wrong reasons. In verses 1 through 4 it says, Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Now let me choose 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and weak, and make him afraid. And all the people who were with him will flee, and I will strike only the king. Then I will bring back all the people to you. When all return except the man whom you seek, all the people will be at peace. And the saying pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. Now, just a couple things that we've looked at. Some, most Bible scholars believe that Ahithophel was Bathsheba's grandfather. Some don't, but it doesn't matter. Okay, whatever the reasons, we see that he hates David. He wants to destroy David. And in the New Testament, we see the wise men. There are so much... Uh, about the wise men in the Christmas story that aren't actually in the Bible. For instance, how many wise men were there really? The Bible doesn't say. Where did they come from? The Bible said to the east. How many, how many people did they bring with them? We don't know. Were there two that brought three gifts? Was there four that only brought three gifts? Were there more gifts that weren't mission? And I was listening to Alistair Begg and he made this simple point. He said, if you really want to know and grow in your relationship with Jesus, don't try to know everything. Try to know the author. And if you spend all your time chasing every rabbit that the Bible has or every question or every situation, you will end up pursuing knowledge so much that you miss the author of the Scripture. And so today I hope to just take some of this and explain it knowing that I cannot answer Everything. And so Ahithophel has this great plan. I'll take 12,000 soldiers. We will go after David. And if you know anything about David, he is probably, at a max, has 3,000 people. And in that 3,000 people, he has women and children and grandchildren and some soldiers and some elite guard. But he is outnumbered at least four to one by trained military men. 
And Ahithophel says, I'll take this, I'll do it, and I will get the job done. And we know that he had a hatred for King David. This hatred for King David took this once wise, godly man and brought him to ruin. And today I want you to know that, that your background, what you've done in church, who you have been, what your name has been on, means nothing if today you are not right with God. Today if you are not seeking Him, loving Him, following Him, all of the accolades, all of the accomplishments, all that you have done in the past doesn't matter. You cannot live on yesterday's manna. Today has to be the day that you love Jesus. Today has to be the day that you're pursuing Him. Today has to be the day that you're seeking Him. Second thing we see from this passage of Scripture is we see people motivated for the right reasons. Now we meet this man, Hushai, who was loyal to King David, who wanted to go with King David, and King David says, No, you go back, you be a spy, you can help me better from the inside of the enemy's camp than with me. And so look here in verse 5. Then Absalom said, Now call Hushai the archite also, and let us hear what he says too. When Hushai came to Absalom, Absalom spoke to him saying, Ahithophel has spoken in this manner. Shall we do as he says? If not, speak up. So Absalom says this was his plan. We like it. Sounds pretty good. If you're on board, let us know. If you're not, speak up. And right here we see that God begins to protect King David by using someone who loved David, someone who was faithful, someone who was committed to the cause of the kingdom. And it says here, So Hushai said to Absalom, The advice that Ahithophel has given is not good at this time. For Hushai, said Hushai, you know your father and his men that they are mighty men and they are enraged in their minds like a bear robbed of her cubs in the fields. And your father is a man of war and will not camp with the people. Surely by now he is hidden in some pit or in some other place. And it will be when some of them are overthrown at first that whoever hears it will say, there is a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. I want to stop right here because this can be a great thing or a terrible thing. What he is doing is he is calling up David's history, David's past running from King Saul. He is beginning to allow God to use some things to place doubt in Absalom's mind. And in your life, when you think about what God has done for you and who God has been to you, it should bring you great encouragement. God was with me when I was in the pit. God was with me when I was in the cave. God was with me when I was fighting cancer. God was with me when we lost a loved one. God was with us when our child was a prodigal. You can use that to be encouraged, but Satan can also use that to discourage you. Remember what you were like at that party? Remember what you were like at that family gathering? Remember what you said at that work meeting? And Satan can begin to bring up your past and to cause doubt. What Hushai is doing here is reminding Absalom that while you have the capital, you are not your father. 
You've not been through the battles. You've not been through the fight. You've not been through the valley. You've not got the experience. And his men are pretty impressive. He is beginning to be used to place this doubt. And then he begins to say, and while you have the castle, and while you have these men, if you begin to lose any at all in battle, everybody's going to cut and run. And so one, he begins to doubt his ability. Two, he begins to get fearful because what if this rebellion doesn't work? And isn't that how Satan works? By placing fear? by bringing up our past, by reminding us that maybe we're not the best speaker or maybe we don't have the best track record. Maybe we're afraid of what someone's going to think. And so fear begins to control us. And the Bible says, fear not. Right? That we should not fear. But yet in this instance, Hushai is placing this doubt in Absalom. He's beginning to sow these seeds of maybe we don't need to listen to Ahithophel. Maybe I don't want to lose the kingdom I've just won. Maybe I don't want these things to happen. It goes on and says in verse 10, And even who is valiant, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will melt completely. For all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man, and those who are with him are valiant men. Therefore, I advise that all Israel be fully gathered to you, from Dan till Beersheba, like the sand that is by the sea for multitude, that you go to battle in person. So we will come upon him in some place where he may be found, and we will fall on him as the dew falls on the ground. And of him and all the men who are with him, there shall not be left so much as one. Moreover, if he has withdrawn into a city, then all Israel shall bring ropes to that city and we will pull it into the river until there is not one small stone found there. So he begins to say, your dad has nobody loyal to him. Why don't you bring the whole army together? All the tribes, all the people, bring the hundreds of thousands of soldiers together and then we'll march out. Then we'll go against your father. Then we'll win this great battle. But did you know something? He goes from putting the seed of doubt about his abilities and beginning to place fear. He begins to feed off his pride. You need to lead them. You need to be there. You need to get the glory. You need to show everybody that you can fill your daddy's shoes. Right? Absalom has a father complex. His dad is everything, and now he's trying to fill those shoes. And how many times does pride and fear cause us great pain. And, but notice what he says. Ahithophel just wanted to kill one man. But Hushai says, well, you ought to kill them all. Not only that, if they find a town that sympathizes with them, you ought to tear the walls down and kill all them too. Why is that? Now, I, this is not stereotyping, okay? I don't have junior high girls yet, but my daughters are close enough that I am now starting to see some of it. If you don't like someone, you don't just don't like them. You like every, you don't like anybody that's friends with them. And you can't speak to them or their friends because they're friends with them. And what he's doing here is he's saying, you shouldn't just want to destroy David. You should want to destroy everyone that even likes David or that supports David or even would listen to David. You need to wipe them all out. 
And friends, isn't that how unforgiveness and fear and bitterness works? We have a problem with one person, but it doesn't stay with one person. It begins to spread. I've pastored now here 11 years at the end of this month. I've lived in this community my whole life. And you and I both know there are some people that you don't like because you don't like them. And there are some people you don't like because of their family. Right? Well, they were married to so-and-so, and that was my third cousin. Or we were on the same ball team. Or they got the promotion. And you know how they are. And it's all this generational sin and all this family drama. And it's not just because of what someone did, but it's because what someone did to someone that I love. And so what we see here is that Hushai is playing on all these things. And he gives this advice that you don't need to go to battle right now. Let's just wait. Let's protect what we have at all cost. I say all this because when we flip to Matthew chapter 2, and we begin to look at the wise men in this story. And the wise men who were surrounded by Herod, we see the exact same thing. We see that there is a king involved. We see there is a king who is the pretender involved. And what we see is some men who really love the king, just like Hushai. And we have some people who do not really love the king, but don't want to lose their position. And in Matthew chapter 2, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. If you write nothing else down, write this down. The greatest sermon I have ever heard taught on the wise men and Christmas and God's purpose and plan is Who Were the Wise Men by John MacArthur. It's on YouTube. You need to find it and watch it. Because the question is, were these just a few men who happened to understand, happened to find some scripture, happened to read the stars, or had God been doing something hundreds of years beforehand preparing these men to know and worship the king? I believe it was the second one. And I want to show you why. In the book of Daniel, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the children of Israel were carried into captivity because of their sin, because of their wickedness. And God brought them under a pagan ruler, a pagan king. But yet, God was at work in this pagan kingdom. He was giving dreams. He gave signs of writing on the wall. And there were a group of people called the Magi, the wise men of this country. And if you're familiar with the story of Daniel, they could not figure it out. They couldn't figure out the dreams. They couldn't figure out the writing. But yet there was one Jewish man who God used to interpret the dreams, to interpret the writing. And listen to what the Bible says in Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and the revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. 
Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts. And he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief administrator over all of the the wise men of Babylon to the east of Israel. And so what that meant was these people who would look at the stars who would would worship their gods of the past and the countries they had conquered, were now under the command of a Jew who believed in the Old Testament that they had at that time. And what that gave him the privilege to do was to bring the religious text that they had at that time and to begin to teach them about the God of the Bible. And to begin to look in the book of Numbers where it talks about that one day a great scepter will rise out of Israel that will rule the people of God. And as he begins to teach them this, over the next hundreds of years of generations, they are still knowing and learning about this king that is to come to the Jewish people. And so when it happens, these men who God had used a boy in captivity to teach them the things of God, has now prepared a group of people to say, wait a second, that's what we've been taught. That's what we know. That's the king that is promised. You see, what captivity looked like for the Jewish people was horrendous and awful and terrible, which it was, but even in the lowest part, God was at work. Even when they didn't see that God was working, He was working. And just think about this, as Daniel has been raised up to teach and to educate and make the decisions about what they teach to all these wise religious men would have been a pagan priesthood for the most part. He was preparing that one day there would be a group of people that would believe that weren't Jewish and they would come to worship a king. Friends, that's the gospel. Jesus came to His own and they rejected Him. And then we, the Gentiles, were given the gift of salvation. And so these men, if you read there, they came and they worshipped Him. And they brought Him gifts and we know all of this. And so while there would have been more that would have known, these men came to worship. But I also want you to see that there were other advisors just like Hushai was loyal, just like these wise men would have been loyal, there were some that had the spirit of Ahithophel. In Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Now someone said, how do you know he was troubled? Well, the Bible says so. And they say, well, why? Well, if you know anything about history, the Roman Empire at this point had an old aging emperor the commander of the Roman army had just retired. And so you have this great Roman empire in Rome that stretched just onto the continent where Israel is. And then to the east you had all the great eastern empires. What it would have been Babylon, would have been these countries of the past. It would have been called the Parthians. And so you have a great empire to the east, the great empire of Rome to the west, and right in the middle... What separated both of them was a little strip of land called Israel. Nobody wanted it. Nobody could control it. But yet somebody had to. They needed a buffer between Rome and the east. And so they appoint a man by the name of Herod. 
and they call him the king of the Jews. And so Herod, realizing the magi, the wise men, are there to find a king, he begins to think, wait a second. If Rome can't protect me, and there's a king that is coming, I'm a lame duck leader. I've got no one to fight for me. We know at this time that his army was gone. And so he was troubled, not because there was a spiritual king. He thought there was an earthly king. You see, what we don't realize is at this time, the wise men and the magi of the east had become so influential that you couldn't be king without them. They literally had been called king makers. And so the king makers of the east have showed up in Jerusalem to find a king. And the king of the Jews is worried. It's just like Absalom. What if my men begin to betray me? What if I don't conquer my father? What if they leave me after battle? The same fear, the same doubt begins to unfold. And all Jerusalem with him. Because why? They don't want more war. They don't want more bloodshed. They don't want more of all of this. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the... The sermon can go short or it can go long. It's all up to you. There we go. Determined from them the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. When you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. You see, these wise men knew, but did nothing with it. The wise men from the east knew and did something with it. You see, God had a plan. God had a purpose. But it still took them making a choice. And we know in Matthew chapter 2, I won't read it for the sake of time, that once they seen the baby, they gave him the gifts, that they were warned by God not to go back to King Herod. God had a plan to protect baby Jesus, to allow him to grow into the Messiah and to die, and to be buried, and to rise again. He had a plan before the foundation of the world to send His only begotten Son who would die in our place. You see, even though everything seemed at its lowest, God still had a plan. And I say all of that this morning because as the holiday season is upon us and Christmas is here, for some of us it is a wonderful time of year. My family all lives in my house still. And my parents live a half a mile. My sister lives three miles. My grandparents live a mile. My wife's family all lives across the county. And so for us, Christmas is a wonderful time, even through all the good and bad. But for some of you, you're thinking, I can't even be with my family. I've just recently lost the person I love the most. I'd love to be with my children, but they won't speak to me. Or I would love to, to have a gathering, but I don't have anyone. And so maybe for you, you're saying this is not a good season. Maybe today you're here and you're saying, Jake, I have never been more spiritually on fire for God. I am growing. I am reading the Word. I am studying. 
I am right now who God wants me to be. Or maybe you're here today and you're saying, I'm just here so that you won't bother me about skipping church. Or I'm just here so my spouse won't nag me to death. I have no idea why you're here. But what I do want you to know is that God has a purpose and a plan. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. But what you might be saying, well, if that's the case, I'll just do nothing and let God work it out. Friends, you can be one of two people in each one of these stories. You can be the Hushai or you can be the Ahithophel. You can be the wise men from the east or you can be the wise men that did nothing. I have five verses I want to read to you from the Old Testament, just very quickly, and I'll be done, about if you want the Lord today, you can have Him. And today, if you're here and you're lost and need to be saved, you can be saved. If you're here today and you're hurting and need to be healed, you can be healed. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, starting in verse 29, after being warned that the children of Israel were going to forget God, they were going to worship idols, they were going to abandon Him in their lowest point, the book of Deuteronomy says this, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find Him if you seek Him with all your heart and with all your soul. In Jeremiah, after the book of Jeremiah, God was telling them, you're going to be carried into captivity. You're going to lose everything. You have got this coming because of your sin and wickedness. But even when it seems as low as it can, and there is no hope, when you choose to return, you will find me. Jeremiah 29 verse 13, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Maybe you're saying, Jake, I'm not abandoning God. I'm in the middle of a spiritual battle. I'm in the middle of an emotional battle. I'm in the middle of a physical battle. And I just don't think I can keep going. Second Chronicles chapter 15, Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin, The Lord is with you while you are with Him. If you seek Him, He will be found by you. But if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. You might have think that God has abandoned you in your marital struggle. You might think that God has abandoned you because of your past. You might think that God has left you because of your sin. You might think that you've made too many mistakes, too many failures, that God cannot use someone like you. But what He says is, keep on keeping on. Keep on following me. Keep on loving me. Keep on praying. Some of you have said, I've been praying for this for so long. I've not got an answer. I'm quitting. I've been trying to talk to my prodigal children about the Lord for so long and they won't listen. I've been trying to fix our marriage for so long and nothing's happened. What God says is, keep seeking. Keep seeking Him. Keep following Him. Keep having a desire for Him. You say, well, that sounds great, Jake, but I'm already ready to quit. I have given up. Proverbs 8 verse 17 says it like this, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Don't quit. Don't quit. Even if you must crawl for a season, don't quit. But I want to close with this. Even though God wants you to seek Him like Hushai, 
wants you to seek Him like the wise men, there will come a day when there will be no more seeking. Isaiah, the 55th chapter and verse 6 says it like this, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. You see, you have to first believe that God has a purpose and plan for my life. Just like He had a purpose and plan for Hushai and Ahithophel and David and Absalom and the wise men and King Herod, God had a purpose and plan for each of them. And friends, you are made in the image of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your past, your mistakes, your failures, all the things that Satan says to find you, do not. But what you must do today is make a choice. If I'm going to seek Him or I'm going to reject Him. I'm going to pursue Him or I'm not going to pursue Him. Because what we see from this is the only thing keeping you from being who God wants you to be is you. The only thing keeping God from being who He wants me to be is me. He says over and over and over again, seek me, seek me, seek me, seek me, seek me, and you will what? Find me. So this morning we know that God first loved us. We know that God sent His Son into the world to show us what it was to look like love and to find forgiveness. We know that God has got a purpose and a plan. We know that He is the one that saves. We know that He is the one that forgives. We, are the, we know it's all about Him. But friends, this morning you have to make the choice to either seek Him or reject Him. See, you can be wise in every area of your life. You can be good at managing money. You can be good at running a business. You can be a people person. But friends, if you don't have Him, you have nothing. You say, Jake, I'm really struggling right now with something in my life and I, I just I don't think I can get over it on my own. You're right. But there is one who can. And He says, seek Me. He says, seek after the things of God. Jesus said it like this. Seek after the kingdom of righteousness and all things will be added to you. So today, whether it's marriage, whether it's family, whether it's just the fact that you've given up on God, today if you will seek Him, you can find Him. Today it might mean that you're going to have to give up some things that you want to give up. Sometimes it means you might have to lay down some things you don't want to lay down. We don't know exactly how far the wise men traveled or where they come from, but it was probably somewhere between 30 to 60 days of travel. But yet they did it. But yet the wise men that were surrounding Herod were a mere six miles. One day. And they could have been there. And they didn't. And so friends, where you start from doesn't matter. Who your parents were doesn't matter. What you were born into doesn't matter. All the things that other people say about you doesn't matter. It only matters if you get to Jesus. Just get to Him. And He's already made it available by coming to us. And so whatever your need, whether it's salvation, whether it's deliverance, 
whether it's encouragement, know that God has a purpose and a plan and He wants you to fulfill it. Pray with me. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. Lord, You know that I have nothing to offer. Lord, anything good that has come from today has been You. But God, I just pray that You would impress it upon this group of people that You have a purpose and plan for their life. Even if they don't see it, even if they don't think it's possible, Lord, even if they think they're too young, even if they think they're too busy, even if they think they're too wealthy, Lord, whatever it is, God, today, that they would just see that You have a beautiful plan and a beautiful purpose for them. And Lord, let it be to be faithful, to be obedient. Lord, glorify us as a church in obedience, not correction. Lord, help us to be a church that spreads the gospel, that is a part of glorifying Your name, not one that is glorified because You have had to correct and judge. Father, today I just pray that whatever is the issue of the hearts this morning, that You would deal with it. And Lord, show people that whether it's in the Old Testament, the New Testament, or today, that You are still at work and You have a purpose and a plan for our lives. Lord, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.